0: Thank you very much. So, as John said, I'm going to be talking about Jesus full of wisdom. I'm going to ask you a few questions as I begin. Do you know any people who you would consider wise? Well, what I want to do now is I want to show you a selection of pictures. And I just, I'm interested, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands at this point. I might do later. Um, I'd just be interested in what your gut reaction is. In terms of, do you perceive any of the people that I'm going to show you as being wise or having any kind of wisdom? And uh, you may not know these people personally, you probably don't, but you may know something about them as they're often in the news and we see them on TV and so on. So just your kind of gut reaction, when the pictures come up, do you consider that person wise to any degree or not? So here we go. Pope Francis, the first one. Meghan Markle, married to Prince Harry Nicola Sturgeon, leader of the Scottish independence movement Mother Teresa, did all that work in India Martin Luther King Jr, this famous I have a dream speech he did The Queen, need I say more Boris Johnson Similar to reaction to in the 9.30 meeting, I would hasten to add. Next, please. Rishi Sunak, Chancellor of the Exchequer. And Liz Truss. I think she's a foreign minister, isn't she? Okay. Can I ask you now to raise your hand if you considered any of the nine to have shown any signs of wisdom in your opinion? Okay. That's a fair, fair amount. Okay. Thank you very much. Now, let's look at what the Bible considers to be wisdom. And then I'm going to look at a particular scripture in a little more detail. So it's going to be like two halves to the talk. And I'm going to invite a response as well during that. So Proverbs 8 gives us uh, many things about wisdom. So what is wisdom? Well, one of the things it says is prudence, the ability to discern what is good and to follow it. Now, this morning I was uh, reminded of Charles Dickens' novel, uh, David Copperfield and one of the characters in David Copperfield his name is Mr. Micawber, and one of the famous things that Mr. Micawber says is annual income 20 pounds annual expenditure 19 pounds, 19 shillings and sixpence this is old money, less than 20 pounds by the way, result happiness annual, ex- annual income 20 pounds annual expenditure 20 pounds and sixpence result, misery and i think what mr makoba was talking about was being prudent with our finances so prudence is one of the things of one of the aspects of wisdom here's another one speaking what is right and upright now during my time on planet earth i've had people come up to me i must confess a couple of times and say to me i just want to tell you something in love well generally speaking it never has been in love it's been like a hammer blow but that's another story so speaking what is right and upright knowledge is another aspect of wisdom it's so easy isn't it to rush into judgment in fact as human beings we have that uh, propensity if you like uh, the bible says man tends that man judges by outward appearance but God looks at the heart it's so easy to rush into judgment without knowing all the facts that there are discretion is another aspect of wisdom in other words you're not a blabber you're trustworthy. Someone speaks to you, you're, trust, you're a trustworthy person. You have discretion. You don't always have to let rip with what you think. Another aspect is humility. It's quite a rare quality, humility, not thinking of yourself more than you ought to, in other words, but thinking with sober judgment, as the Bible puts it. Having sound judgment and insight, another aspect of wisdom. Being just and fair. Weighing things up, not rushing into judging things, but you're a fair person in your dealings with others. And the next one I think is a rare quality. It's the ability to listen. In my experience, it's so easy, and I've done it many times myself, I I confess at this point, to just talk about yourself and your issues and your problems and your situation in your life and this, that, and the other. But actually, to listen to others is a very rare Ability, it's an aspect of wisdom, and another one here is the fear of the Lord. Psalm 110 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love the way the Amplified Bible puts it when it says the reverent fear of the Lord is the beginning, the prerequisite, the absolute essential, the alphabet of wisdom. Now, a few weeks ago, if you were here or if you watched online. Uh, Neil Bartlett spoke on Jesus full of power, and he based his message around that time where Jesus was in the boat asleep with the disciples, and a violent storm arose to such an extent that the disciples were afraid they were going to drown, so they woke Jesus up. And Neil said that Jesus calmed the storm with three words. And as he was saying that, I was really struck by that, thinking, wow, what power that is. Now, I was recently on holiday, and I was by the sea, and I was walking along by the seashore, and I was watching the waves crashing on the shore, and I was thinking about what Neil had said about Jesus calming the storm. And uh, as I was thinking about it, I thought, well, in order to really calm the storm, the waves would have to stop. And for that to happen, Jesus would have to adjust the gravitational pull of the moon, because the moon affects the tides and the waves. And it just struck me again about the power of God. And as we were talking about this in our small group recently as well, we had that sense of the awesomeness of God and I guess the fear of the Lord, that sense of reverence for who he is came upon us. The apostle James also describes wisdom where he says in chapter three, verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. So it comes from an honest heart. It's not self-seeking. It's not manipulative. It doesn't have mixed motives. It comes from a pure heart. Then peace-loving, he says. So not seeking to stir up trouble, which often gossip may well do. It's not seeking to stir up trouble. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. They'll be called the children of God. So, the wisdom that comes from above is peace loving. It's considerate. It thinks of others' situations and circumstances, not just their own. It considers other people's needs. It's submissive. It's willing to listen. It's willing to be corrected. That's what submissive is. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It shows kindness and gentleness, leading to good outcomes. It's impartial. These are all the things that James is saying, that wisdom that comes from above is. It's impartial. It's fair. It's not prejudiced. It's sincere. Not flattery. Not superficial. There are times when I say to people on a Sunday morning, I say, oh, I missed you. I didn't see you last week. I missed you. Now, I don't say that in order to make them feel guilty that they weren't there the previous week. I say it because it's true. It's true. I say it hopefully, sincerely. I've missed you. Or it's great to see you. When I see you here, I feel strengthened. I've said that as well in the past. It's sincere. It's not flattery. So having looked at the qualities of wisdom briefly, let's be wise and follow what the Apostle James writes in his epistle. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I love that. I think that's one of the mantras I try to have in my life. Because God gives generously. He is not tight. He's not tight-fisted. He's not a Scrooge. He is generous. And he wants to give wisdom. And he is generous in the way he does it. And I think it would be good if we all said this verse together. I'm just going to repeat it before we do that. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Anybody here would like wisdom? Just raise your hand if you do. Okay, a few. Well, that's encouraging to know. So let's say that together then, after three. One, two, three. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. I wonder, are you facing a tricky situation in your life at this time? I know in the past I've faced some really difficult situations that I'd rather not have been in. And at that time I felt as if I've been on a boat, on a ship. It's one of those wooden sailing ships. I feel as if I've been... And as I'm sailing along there are rocks that I don't want to hit. The only problem is the rocks are submerged. And I can't see them between a rock and a hard place type thing. And so I've had to fall on, call on the Lord for that. Lord, please will you give me wisdom to steer me through this. I'm not sure what's the best course of action here, but I trust that you're going to help me as I steer this ship and avoid the rocks and avoiding you know, crashing into them. I wonder if you're facing a difficult situation at this time where perhaps it would be great for you to ask for wisdom. Perhaps it's a work situation. Perhaps it's a family or relational situation that you're facing. Or maybe it's a financial situation or a health issue, whatever it may be. I'm not going to ask you to come out to the front, but I am going to ask you to stand and reach out your hands to receive, and I'm going to pray. Now the reason I'm going to ask you to stand is because it shows on our part an intentionality. It's something that I want to do. So can I ask you that if you would like wisdom about a particular situation that you're facing I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front just to stand. And if you're at home you might like to stand as well. So it's entirely up to you. No pressure. If any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, I love that too, and it will be given to you. So let's just put our hands out. And Jesus knows your situation. Jesus knows it inside out. There's nothing about what troubles you or where you need wisdom that he doesn't understand. He understands it all fully, comprehensively. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are full of wisdom. You are wisdom itself. And thank you that you are generous. Without, you don't find fault. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And as we stand before you right now, we ask for wisdom. We ask for wisdom in those situations that we're thinking about right now, that we're facing. Maybe it is between a rock and a hard place, but you know. And so we pray, and we ask in the mighty name of Jesus for that wisdom that comes from above. To steer us through these things, and we pray for this these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Please sit down. So that was like the first half of what I wanted to say. Just like in a football match, there's a second half. And so here's the second half. Now I want to look at God's wisdom in Christ. In the first part of the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he writes in response to some of them saying, Well, I follow Paul, and others saying, Well, I follow Apollos. And Paul is saying, well, I I don't want to uh, draw attention to myself. The one I want to draw attention to is Christ. And so I'm just going to pick up what he says in chapter 1, verse 18. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. And foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is the gateway, if you like, to true wisdom. If we can grasp what the Apostle Paul is saying... If we can grasp this in our heart and mind, it is powerful and it is transformative. In this short passage, the Apostle Paul contrasts the so-called wisdom of the world with the foolishness of God. He says that God's so-called foolishness demonstrates a greater wisdom than the world's. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent, intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Now let's unpack that a little bit. I am so pleased that God has chosen the foolishness of the cross to demonstrate his salvation. And that it's not based on human wisdom. Not based on human intellect. I don't need to be Albert Einstein or Bill Gates to understand the truth of the gospel and be impacted by it and for the power of the gospel to become to come upon me now i'm all in favor of intelligence don't get me wrong and education and learning is good it's a gift from the lord and i love it and i love the fact that i've been able to learn at least some things but that's not what has enabled me to grasp the so-called foolishness of god human intellect is cut across by god through the cross the foolishness of the cross. Why does the Apostle Paul say the foolishness of the cross? Well, he says it because it doesn't make, human, it doesn't make sense. A man uh, willingly dying on a cross and shedding blood in order for us to know God's salvation, in order for us to have a right relationship with God, in order for us to know what eternal life is going to be. is foolishness. Cuts across all human intellect. It's not perceived by human intellect alone. It's perceived through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You've revealed these things. I thank you that you've hidden these things, Jesus says, from the wise and the prudent, the so-called, according to human wisdom, but you've revealed them to children. You've revealed them to those who it's your pleasure to do so. And it's the Holy Spirit who reveals something of the, the glory of God in the face of Christ." as he sacrifices his life on the cross. As Christians, we see God's power at work through Christ's death on the cross. It's powerful, it's transformative. It's the wisdom of God. Paul writes, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we should never, ever Despise, minimize, or be ashamed of the cross. The world frequently will not receive our message. They won't. They will perceive it as foolishness. But we don't perceive it as foolishness. We perceive it as the wisdom of God, we perceive it as the power of God. And we've still got that obligation to share that good news with others as well. And I love our church's catchphrase. We are ordinary people, changed by Jesus to change the world. I love the fact that we are described as ordinary. Jesus likes to choose the ordinary. He chose ordinary fishermen by the Sea of Galilee. He chose ordinary tax collectors sitting at their table. He chose ordinary people of generally dubious repute. Now today, in our society, you hear and read a lot about people who are called influencers. Okay, Influencers, those people on social media who have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers, and they're called influencers. And they're always posting stuff on their social media platforms to influence. So they may influence from what trainers to wear to what exotic hotel to stay in type thing. They're influencers. We are, as God's people, we are ordinary people. Changed by Jesus to change the world. So, you and I are influencers as well. But we are influencers in a different way. And earlier in the meeting, Richard encouraged us to be influencers. To look for those opportunities where we can pray for people. To look for opportunities where we can share something of the truth of the glory of God. And what he's done. Opportunities where we can share something of the foolishness of God. That cuts across human wisdom. And yet it's powerful and it's transformative. Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then the Apostle Paul makes it even clearer in Colossians 2 verse 3. Where he says Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want wisdom and knowledge, you have to go to Christ to get it. Now, I don't know if you remember in the Old Testament, the King Solomon, the Lord appeared to King Solomon in a dream. And the Lord said to Solomon, what would you like me to give you? And Solomon said, I would like wisdom. Because you've given me this vast people to rule and I'm inexperienced, I would like wisdom. And the Lord says, okay, you will get wisdom and I'll give you lots of other things as well. And Solomon's wisdom became renowned throughout the ancient world to such an extent that the Queen of Sheba came to see him. And I don't know if you remember that episode where there were two prostitutes and each of them had a child. And one of the children died in the night. And both the prostitutes came to King Solomon And they both said, the living child is mine. And Solomon deliberated this. and He said, well, cut the child in half. Give half to her and the other half to her. And the real mother, of course, said, no, don't do that. Give her the the child. And the other one said, oh, yeah, cut the child in half. We can have half each. And Solomon, obviously, in his wisdom, said, actually, the real mother is the one who is willing to give the child up. Now, Jesus said... A greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is the incarnation of wisdom. If you want wisdom, dear friends, you have to go to the source. The source of wisdom, and the source of wisdom is Christ. And we see it time and time again in the Gospels when, in his three years of ministry, the movers and shakers of the day, the so called intellectuals of the day, The religious leaders of the day, they wanted to trap Jesus. They wanted to bring him down. And at every opportunity they had, they tried to do it. They tried to trick him. They tried to accuse him. They tried to make him out to be a blasphemer. So, here are some examples. Should we pay taxes to Caesar, that dreaded Roman emperor who is oppressing us, or not? What do you think? Jesus says, well, whose image is on the coin? It's Caesar's. Well, in that case, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Master, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you've read the scriptures, haven't you? Love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. But who is my neighbor? And Jesus then proceeds to tell the parable of the good Samaritan, the man who fell among thieves. Who showed mercy to the man who fell among thieves? It was the Samaritan. Well, you go and do Likewise. Rabbi, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the authority? Well, let me ask you a question. And if you can answer this question, I will answer yours. John the Baptist's authority, where did that come from? Hmm, if we say it came from people, they'll be angry with us. If we say it came from heaven, then they'll say, well, why didn't you? We don't know. Well, neither will I tell you by whose authority I am doing these things. Sinful woman comes in and anoints Jesus' feet. With her tears, Pharisee, that's disgusting. This man thinks he's a prophet. If he, knew she, if he knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't allow this. Jesus then proceeds to tell a parable about two servants who owed the, master huge, uh, owed the master money. One owed a small amount, one owed a huge amount. And Jesus said, who do you think loves the master more? The one who was forgiven the small debt or the one who was given the big debt? Or the one who was given the, forgiven the big debt. Well, in that case, this woman, she's had a big debt and I've forgiven it. You had a small debt, you showed very little love. She's shown amazing love. Jesus accused of driving out demons by the power of the devil. We know how, where his power comes from. It comes from Beelzebub, the devil. Jesus says, a house divided against itself will fall. How can Satan be fighting against himself? It will fall otherwise. However, if I'm doing it by the finger of God, then know that the kingdom of God has come. We see the wisdom of Jesus coming out time and time again in the synagogue on a Sabbath day. A man comes in with a swollen body and they're looking to see, is he going to do something because it's the Sabbath? Jesus says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? be healed, he says to the man. Jesus shows a greater wisdom than anybody else. When invited to a posh do, Jesus observes the people coming to this posh do, and he sees that they maneuver to get to the best seats. He's watching closely, and he says, when you're invited to a banquet like this, don't jostle to get to the best situation, to the best seat, but take a place, lower down the table." And then when the master comes and sees you, he'll say, oh, friend, come. Why are you sitting down there? Come up to be with me. Jesus talks about humility. The queen of Sheba came, as I said, to the, from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, a greater than Solomon is here. From the intricate dance of the honeybee to the 3,000-mile migration of the monarch butterfly, from the strutting peacock to the mole-digging tunnels underground, from the crocodile snoozing in the sun to the blue whale singing in the depths of the ocean, from the blind bat to the owl with the night-vision goggles. The psalmist says, How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures." The Apostle Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To obtain wisdom, dear friends, you have to go to the source of wisdom, You have to acknowledge the reality of who Jesus is. And you have to submit to his authority and what he wants to do in your life. You have to be learn, learn to be guided by the Spirit of God. Not in a mystical sense, but in receiving his power for everyday living. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you.